You're listening to The People's Pitch, the official podcast of Minneapolis City Soccer Club, brought to you by footballstadiumprints.com. Let's start the show. And as I talked about just a couple minutes ago, as Joe Watt stands over this one, he appears to be the one taking the penalty here. Uh, this is a huge confidence booster if you're a Duluth. Worst case Elder scenario for here City for right more. here. And it's stopped! Yes! And it's stopped! Totally Matt redeems Elder. himself. <laughs> Matt Elder redeeming himself. Oliver with the right foot. The shot is oh, Oliver! Justin Oliver will break the scoreless tie. Then it is 1-0 Minneapolis City. It's Hutton now on the offense with the left foot. And it is now 2-0 Minneapolis oh, yes. City. Good finish. Nick Hutton taking his quick victory lap. Greetings, friends. This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. I'm your host, John, and this lovable character across the mic from me is the Nate Morales. Nate, the reboot of the cycle has begun at City Headquarters for 2022. Are you ready to officially be in soccer mode after like a long, nice little break we had? Yeah, it's uh, it's low-key, like one of the most exciting times in the cycle, that's for sure. And it like it grows every year as more and more talent find their way into the city folds. It's uh this this kind of rebirth of Minneapolis City every every winter is super fun to to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's been some news of some some sad news with some players moving on, um, including one we'll talk to in a little bit. But you know, that that does re like you said, rebirth opportunity for for new faces and new mm. and new players so it is a really exciting time it also kind of ends my very busy fall of watching not only college soccer now but high school soccer so much soccer <laughs> so much dude luckily you can watch it all online now um yeah i have so i have so many subscriptions to like random one-off like streaming services for high school and college sports <laughs> <laughs> it's like i hope I, I hope they auto cancel and don't renew <laughs> like geez <laughs> they won't merry christmas all right uh <laughs> <laughs> this week we're going to talk a little bit about that rebirth we're going to talk about uh, updates from the futures trials and then we're going to get into open trial information but most importantly tonight we have a special guest coming to us from across the pond we're talking a former Minneapolis City midfielder, Ian Smith. Uh, he's coming to us from his new stomping grounds in Oslo, Norway. It's late at night here. It's early in the morning there. I think this is the longest distance we've ever interviewed anyone. Um, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we didn't talk to like Trey in the Balkans. So. No. Uh, we didn't talk to anyone in, in Sweden. And we also, I mean, wh- uh, where did we talk to Steve from Football Stadium Prints from? He would have uh, been. Caymans, right? Yeah, the Caymans. So he was closer. But uh, he would have been pretty close in in, in England. But uh, yeah, but yeah you're, you're correct. Pretty sweet. Let's giggity, giggity, go. So, Nate, two weeks ago, Almost to the hour, we had the, the pleasure to speak with the architect of the features program, Jeremiah Johnson, which if you haven't checked out that episode, folks, it's a really good one because what it, it reviews the first year of the program. And it also talks about what's in store for year two. And as we talk about this rebirth, like futures trials is, is now the new start of the cycle for us. Um, <clears throat> so 
you know, you were there for a session, Nate. I'm interested in hearing what your take on the experience was being it was your first time seeing the future's uh, underbelly, if you will. The process. Uh, from the process, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. It was, it was great getting a glimpse into that process. I think, you know, what strikes me probably as an outsider first and foremost is just the mix of, first of all, getting getting an understanding of how tryouts are run because I think there's kind of like a mystery around them for parents that watch their kids go through them year in and year out. Like what in the hell is going on and why are they moving to the other field? And why are they, what are, what are they doing now? What are they doing next? Um, so it was really cool getting that inside look and ta- being able to talk to you guys about what you're looking for and why you do things. I think it was an interesting mix for me of fitness drills and game looks it was funny what you said to Olin because uh, he came with me and he, I think he was trying to be really, he was trying to be cool. So yeah. He was like, oh. he, was, he, he a little swagger. He was trying to be cool. He's watching the killers and he's like, I don't know if I would try that hard. I just want to get through this and just be, uh, you know, have all the energy right. for the scrimmage. And you're like, and he said something like, do you not try hard at the beginning of a 90 minute game because you got the whole game to play? <laughs> no, yeah, he was taking. He was taking aback, aback by that right away. Like, no, so that was yeah. good. you got him, and I think you got him thinking. Um, so, but really, just in that dome, it was wonderful in that one night to see so much talent, especially uh, representing underrepresented communities. Uh, there mm-hmm. was a whole contingent of a lot, a lot of Karen players. Karen, yep, uh, it was really, really cool. But I'll tell you, John, I don't envy you and the coaching staff. It, it really could, it really would be difficult to sort through all of that talent. There's just so many tough decisions you're going to have to make in the coming coming days. Well, and you only saw session A. We had session B the following night, so yeah. it was it, it was like, oh my god, like there's there's even more players. And I'll kind of do a little bit of a breakdown here. But it's interesting you were talking about, um, you know, Owen's Owen's. Uh, thought process around like maybe I, you know i would take it easy a little bit on on the fitness i had to actually tell some players in the in the fitness drill that i was running like you guys can go as many times as you want in the 10 minutes as long as everyone goes at least one time and i was like typically guys can get about three runs in <clears throat> and there was the guy the competitive nature of some of these players was like like it was like the third or fourth time these guys are stepping up and i'm like hey just so you know this is like the first process like I get what you I get that you want to like <laughs> that was the sprint score. down and dribble around the cone. Yeah, and I was like, you guys, like you're under 10 seconds already. Like that's a good barometer. Like you may shave off like two tenths of a second, and and then they're like, oh, okay, I got you. But then when I had the second session, I had some of the returning guys because um, what some people um, I don't know I don't know if Jeremiah had mentioned it um, last week, but um, what some people don't know is that you don't get an automatic spot the next year. Yeah, um, you have you have to retry out again for the for the program if you're within the age range. So I had we had far more out of the returner group in the second session, and Zach Susi, your your guy, the Susi, we let him Lucy for another mm-hmm. year. Um, he, he was doing, I had the same drill where you sprint around, around, a you know, a 30 yard sprint around a, a gate and then come back and stop. Um, and he went the first time and got a very good score. And then he came over looked at his score and was like, okay, I, I know I can beat that. And then he goes the second time and then destroys his, his first time. And he's like, 
I'm good. I don't need to go anymore. And then there's the other guys who are like, can I go again? Can I do it a fourth time? I'm like, he even reiterated like, you know, you might not want to, cause we got a lot of tough stuff coming. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I mean like overall, just like some quick thro- thoughts on my end um, and just some kind of statistics from, from the, from the trials is there's 132 trialists this year. And that's up from 75 that signed up for it last year. And I believe we only had about 50 and maybe even in that 45 range that came to trials because of COVID. So we're already looking at like, we, we had an AB session last, last year, but we're really like, there are a lot of players and it just shows the reach that year one and the success from year one that Jeremiah talked about really gave the program, the street cred for people to be interested in it. And it also shows the, the effort of what, um, what Brendan and what Eli and, you know, I, I mean, I'll throw myself into that at a very minute pinprick, um, the work done by the staff to like talk to some of these players, um, go watch the games, you know, speak to college coaches, high school coaches. Um, and then obviously people in the community, like with the Karen, um, you know, Brendan Doyle, um, who's on the future staff and who leads our kind of our community outreach, um, just a great work that he did to, to really gain the trust of that community to show them that like, we had, we had a few of their, uh, of their, their, their friends and, and some of their players, um, from their community play with us last year and how well the experience went for them. That goes a long way in some more of the ethnic communities because, yeah. Um, it's, it's very hard to break in because they're very guarded. Um, so it, it was really great to see the increase in, in some of those communities. And it, it is due back to the hard work that our staff did to, to break in and, and to show them that we're here for the right reason. So um, out of the, the 132, there are only 15 players, I believe, that I counted, give or take, um, that were from last year's pool. And that doesn't, that doesn't also that doesn't account for the players that are becoming back for the second the second uh, portion of the future season, which would be the UPSL season mm-hmm. um, that we're in college. So we're talking about returning high school players. Um, so it's literally it's almost, a, it's almost a page turn really um, with this, this new group and out of no disrespect to the player pool from last year, I would say this year's talent group has considerably raised the bar. Um, and there's going to be some very, very difficult decisions to be made um, because the the margins are razor thin. You know, there's a lot of good players that play similar positions and it's going to be down to, um, you know, to things like the fitness tests and things like that that are the separators. Uh, we had three guys puke during the fitness portion nice. during, the se- during the second day. I didn't see any, so that must have been night two. Yeah, it was night two, and one guy, uh, you know, I won't, I won't call him out. He puked on the field, which was no. really great because then we, I, I shouldn't say we, someone had to clean it up because it was on the playing surface that we were gonna right about ready to play on. I'm oh, like, dude, can't you just make it, make it to the, just make it anywhere but the six yard box. You know, like, uh, so, uh, yeah, so that was a first, but, uh, we had Ann from TCO there. She was on the spot and made sure everyone was okay. Uh, so that was good. Um, and then I think the last piece is passing the initial eye test. There was about eight players that I believe that from what I saw and from what, um, a few of the other, the other staff members that were there evaluating saw that we would feel comfortable elevating them into the senior environment, like just, you know, with sightseeing on, on, on day one. Um, and, and that's, that's a huge thing. Um, especially when we're looking, you know, we have 
multiple levels to fill out. You know, there's a lot of good, good young talent. And then we saw quite a few make a jump last year. Um, but we didn't see in day one or day two until probably, you know, week three, week four, the players like Zach Susi, um, you know, Jesse Juarez, the goalkeepers, the, the separating themselves to, to make us feel comfortable to bring them into the senior environment. Um, but this year, some of that talent, I could see them elevating from right away. One. Yeah. Uh, Part of it too. I mean, you, you can trust these guys on some level, like you've seen Zach Susi elevate. I think we had a Mr. Soccer finalist. Yeah. Yasek was probably there. Uh, and I saw Lloyd Masanvi the day, the night that I went, like some of these guys are just, just got really better good. over the last, <laughs> yeah. over the last three, you know, two months. Yeah. Well, there's another player, Joe, uh, I think it's Joe Man- Mans- Mansur. He was the youngest player in the group last year. And like, I, he wasn't in any of my fitness portions. And then during the seven aside, I was like, I'm like, is that Joe? And Jeremiah was like, yeah, he got bigger. And I was like, yeah. And he like, super confident on the ball, all the things that we talk about, like our programs doing to make players better for when they, they leave us to go to like a college environment or back to wherever they came from. Um, the same thing happened with a guy like Joe, like he just, he grew into his body and he was, he was even better than he was as the youngest, smallest guy in the group the first time around. Wow. Really cool to see that growth when you think yeah, back abs- to last year. Yep. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, I really enjoyed the futures Insta posts of the top goals and some of the sick ankle breaking moves that some of these guys had on display. Like, first of all, great writing. Whoever, I think that was probably whoever did that was the right, the writing on the poster. <laughs> great. But that was just really cool to see. I just, uh, makes you, makes you hungry for, for the spring already. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next two sessions, which are next week, um, will be the group's last to impress before, we move into the selection process of narrowing things down um, through to the final round after the initial cuts have been made, um, which, which will be their absolute last chance as a collective group. We bring both A and B together um, for these guys to showcase their skills before we identify the futures class from 2022. So super exciting stuff. I think a great start. Um, super happy. I think the, I think the, the staff is happy. Um, you know, JJ is always uh always very calculated and, and hoping things are, are pulled off to his standards. And I think that uh, even under the, uh, the poker face is uh, what was, you know, some excitement that, you know, it's, it's, it's growing and uh, it, it's only getting better after year one. That's nice. And once, once all that is over, uh, then it's time to take a look at opportunities that are definitely more pointed to fill out the roster of the NPSL and the USL two squads which means it's open trial season again. Uh, typically, you know, the team holds two open trials, one around now and one mm-hmm. over later over the holidays, you know, between Christmas and around the New Year time uh, for, for the college kids. And in the past, the talent pipeline has looked pretty set. Uh, but, you know, there's always someone at trials that surprises you, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I got some more. I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny stats today. I got some more yeah. stats for you. Uh, so the open, <laughs> I'll take that nickname, Johnny stats, Johnny stats. Um, <laughs> um, so the open trial, they, they've been just huge for us and we've taken at least one player um, since 2016. We've had a total number of 425 players trial, which is a huge number. And if you think of that at, you know, um, you know, just under 450, um, 
how many inquiries there are before that 425 make it to the field. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking thousands of players that have, that have inquired to play with us. And, and we, and we've only had the opportunity to see 425 of them um, to date. Um, 36 is the number of players selected to an active roster um, since 2016. So definitely taking things seriously from, from these open trials. Um, and then 21 is the number of players our club has brought back to fill roster needs that were not initially selected. So what that those last two stats are saying, and I think it's important to get this out there is that we, we take these, they're, they're very important to us. And we really do take a concentrated look at these types of sessions and, and players that come into them. Um, and being that we focus on local talent, I feel that, that we more so than other clubs in our, in our space um, put an emphasis on an open trial. And I don't mean to say it's to speak ill to anyone else, but um, you know, we, we have to find players through this process to not only help fill things out, but that number, that 21 players in, in, in our clubs existent that we've called back that we didn't select just shows the follow through that we do with those players and it's not just a cattle call um you know we we really are um trying to provide them with an opportunity and if it's not right for now it doesn't mean it's not right forever um and and the coaching staff does a really good job of telling players you know if it's a no for now how you handle that no is how it it may or may not turn into a yes in the future and i think you've seen a lot of guys handle it well as as with that that number indicating um, so yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for open trials. You know, you, you never know what you're going to get, but there's always a handful, um, of players that, that turn your head and you're like, wow, you know, like this first, this, these guys need to come in and test themselves with our senior group now and see how they do. And, um, you know, we've also missed on a few players and that happens. Um, yeah. but there is real value in this for a player, for anyone who's listening that, that knows someone out there sign up for the trial. Um, everyone will get an, a- an active look and, uh, and then we do take it seriously. Yeah. I mean, with a bigger league's shoes to fill this year and a number of recent and maybe, uh, maybe more to come retirements, I feel like mm-hmm. the time has to be ripe for those diamonds in the rough to really show up and, and make themselves known. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, there's, there's a need for fresh faces every year. And, uh, and this is one of our steps at finding them. So if you're interested or you want to pass along to some folks that might be interested, the date is Tuesday, November 30th. Uh, the time is 9 to 11 p.m. at Champions Hall in Eden Prairie. Um, you can go on Google and find the address uh, if you'd like. The cost is $75. Um, I do believe there's a trial shirt involved in that, as well as the remaining costs are to offset the space. So not a lot goes to the club. Um, so like some people, this isn't like a, a cattle call cash grab. Um, definitely want to throw that out there. Um, so, you know, we have to pay for the space since we don't own it. Um, so $75 to, to get your, uh, your spot locked in. If you head on over to Twitter at MPLS city SC, you can find the information there, or you can go to MPLSCitySC.com for registration links. And, uh, we hope to see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is still to this day and adding on to it as the most capped guest ever to grace our show. Starting with us as a 17-year-old boy in year one in 2020, 2016 and completing last season with us as a 23-year-old man boy. I am talking about former city midfielder and current Opsal IF squad member 
in Oslo, Norway. And that is Ian Steve Smith. Ian, welcome back, pal. First off, thank you for the dedication as it's currently 6 a.m. your time. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I uh, just woke up. I'm drinking a little <laughs> coffee and I'm super excited to be blessing the airways with you guys. <laughs> awesome. Well, before we get into things, please tell us, is it true that your new squad no longer calls you or you don't go by Steve, you have garnered a new nickname. That's correct. That is correct. And, and what is your new nickname? <laughs> uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> and, that did and, not take long. And why do they call you Tom Brady? Because I'm American and I'm good at passing. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, That's great. That's fantastic. So <laughs> you and I have been attached at the soccer hip since our paths crossed. And I yeah. know that, that playing pro soccer has always been your dream. And and you put the work in to get there. So, uh, you know, although sad for us, huge congrats on you making it to the next level. Please start off with, you know, introdu introduce us to, you know, where you live and, you know, who you play for. Yeah. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know, my name is Ian Smith. I'm often referred to as Steve um, for undisclosed reasons. We can't talk about that. And now Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, now I'm Tom Brady. Uh, I live in Oslo, Norway. So I grew up, I mean, I'm a Minneapolis kid my entire life. I went to Washburn High School in Minneapolis. I played for City when I was a senior in high school. It was the first season, 2016. Um, now I just turned 24. So I finished my four years of college soccer i played at uw green bay uh, that was a really good time i played for city a couple of years in the summer i played one year at green bay voyagers in usl2 uh, and then after corona i had nowhere to play <laughs> so i played one more year at city last year and it was like amazing and now i am living in oslo playing for a, a small club here called Opsal, uh, which is in the third division so it's the fourth tier which might sound like really small until you get here and you watch the players and you're like, holy shit, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy. When you think about it, it's like this country, it's the same population as Minnesota and there's four like men's national divisions. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Have a, uh, Steve, had you ever been to Norway? Like how did you find yourself signing for a club there? No, I, I've, of course, never been here. <laughs> um, I have like a, a he's like a, an agent. So he brought me over here. We kind of knocked out like two birds with one stone. So along with playing, I'm also getting my master's degree here because it's free. So it's kind of like the two together, kind of like doing what you want to do right now and like live your dream now. And then also have things to prepare you for the future because like football doesn't last forever. <laughs> yeah. So it was more of like just kind of knocking two birds with one stone because he's from here. So that's why he knows this market like really well. What are you going to school for? Uh, international history. So that's like what I studied in America. So are you now studying American history and like totally cheating because you're an American? Because <laughs> that's, that's international history for them? Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised how much perspective. they learn about America. <laughs> 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 it's like my dad who's german and speaks like six dialects got uh, his degree in german when he went to college i was like that's fucking cheating man 
<laughs> so Ian, man, how are you adjusting to life there? Like there's a big, that's a big switch to not only have to start playing soccer for a professional club. And then now you're, you have to think about school at the same time. Um, you've got a bunch of new teammates that have, maybe have they made you eat anything super weird, like reindeer balls or something? <laughs> No, the, the weirdest thing I've eaten, they have this thing called brown cheese. It's really weird. <laughs> it's like it's like sweet cheese. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not, what it's not makes my it thing, but brown. It's literally brown. Oh. It is the color brown. It is pretty weird. Um No thanks. I don't like it. Yeah, oh. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, oh, go ahead. Overall, like the adjustment's not too bad. Like like day to day, there's some days I wake up and I feel like nothing's different. Just because like a lot of the same stores are here, a lot of the same kind of, yeah. I don't know, daily flow to your life is pretty similar to America. Uh, and then there's some days where everything feels different. <laughs> uh, I, the language is the big one, but everyone here speaks really good English, which is fantastic. I think they learned it from the age of like eight, seven or eight in school. So they at least take around 10 years. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so they're all extremely good in English. It's so are, funny. You picking, are you picking up Norwegian or is it kind of a slow process? Doesn't seem like an pretty, easy language. It's pretty slow process, I would say. I mean, I can like kind of like fake my way in a grocery store, can fake my way on a football pitch. <laughs> I've learned like a couple like key phrases. Mm -hmm. But that's about it. <laughs> I well, can you're swear. You're starting in really good with a with a new accent. It must be an easy adjustment coming from Minnesota to to you know just go all in on that Scandinavian accent. But the yeah, your your I mean, Norwegian accent is is excellent. Thank well, you. next time I next time I run into you, uh, I'll give you a pass if you have an accent. Um, <laughs> a big <but>, accent. <laughs> Un unlike how when we we didn't see Luke Hawkinson for a year and then we ran into him and he had a British accent for some reason. <laughs> that was still one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. John, we were like, dude, you're not fooling us. We we yeah. know you're from Minneapolis. You're not from London. <laughs> yeah, and you're in you're in Des Moines, bro. You're playing for like, the we know who you are. Yeah, you're not you're not playing for Chelsea. You're playing for Des Moines Menace. No, exactly. Why are you speaking like you're from England? He's out there like, bruv, bruv, you got to believe me, bruv. I mean, pretty much. He was like, hey, what's going on, lads? We're like, what lads? Are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Norway is, uh, it's, I mean, it's a huge destination for you. Like, you never would have, like you said, never would have, never been there, probably never would have thought that. Uh, the unit up there, but like, but just serendipitously, you, your agent, your agent hooked it up. In the end, though, that I mean, that's that's kind of the end of it. The road to pro, ha leading up to it, has kind of been a long one for you. I mean, starting with Minneapolis City, like John said, when you were seventeen, um, and your choice of college. Talk a little bit about what you what you've focused on over the last five or six years to get yourself where you are. Wow, that's I would say. It's been like the last five, four or five years of like pretty intense dedication, maybe six years, 18. So that's like five, six years. It's just been intense dedication to, to putting in consistent work. 
you know, six, five to six, sometimes seven days a week, depending on how, how, how you know, what kind of training process I was in. I was, you know, I, I didn't like advertise it too much, but I'm always a guy who would go and put in extra work by myself and, you know, go to the gym, make sure I'm always really fit as well, going on runs. I guess it was just as well, kind of a, a, a mental process of just, keep showing up just keep doing the work like things will work out because you wanted to and because you 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 put in the work and you have you know a bit of talent but I was always the guy who more so had to work really hard to get what he what he wanted than just being you know naturally talented to just step off the couch and dribble 10 players and score three goals so <laughs> I've kind of had to be a little more diligent in my work and my diet and stuff like that so what's the player pathway in the Norwegian system? Um, you talked about that, you know, the different, the tiers and, and it, you know, the national system being the, the tiered system in, mm -hmm. you know, the size of Minnesota. Is, is it, I, I assume it's different, but are there similarities in the, with the American system for a player? Um, oh. You know, like starting out maybe like with, at the youth, we, we, we just finished up the, in the show talking about the futures trials. Maybe just yeah. start with like the youth, the youth setup onto the first division. Uh, I mean, the youth. I'm actually going to start coaching in the in the youth divisions in in Uppsala as well to to get get some extra cash here. <laughs> don't <laughs> get don't get sacked, man! Don't get sacked. I know it could be bad because that happens here pretty regularly. Um, things are taken really seriously like that. Uh, even from like you know, I look. We train in the afternoon because a lot of the guys will have like day jobs because it's not, you know, you're not making a lot of money here. So you're either students or, or they have day jobs. But, so we train in the oh. afternoon and like right after us is like a lot of like little kids trainings. They're like seven and they're doing these like complex like X passing drills. <laughs> so they focus so much here from a young age on like technique, like I don't think they talk about tactics until they get to be like 13, 12 That's or 13. Great. All they do is just like focus on the technique with the ball, like how their relationship with the ball is, like when you touch it this way, how does it move, touch it this way, how does it react, whatever. So they're always doing technique here just from babies. When you see like they have, I think you play your age group, every age group until 15. And I think when you turn 16, you play in like a under 18s league. So it's like 16, 17, 18s. And then there's like under 19s, some clubs. Okay. And then there's like men's football. So there's like B team. And the B teams for Norwegian clubs, they all play in the league ladder as well. And oh, so like. Yeah, you know, men's first division teams as well. So yeah, okay. like in my league, we play. Uh, the first division, so like the MLS in Norway, is called the Elite Decidian, and the Elite Decidian club. Some of them play in our in my league, so we get to play some really good players. <laughs> Jeez. When, I guess, when you decided to go to uh, Green Bay, for instance, for college, and then mm -hmm. you know you're playing at City, you went and played for the U the Green Bay USL team. Like that's not a super traditional path, like path to get yourself to, uh, to mm -hmm. you know, to a professional point. But but it worked out for you. Is there? But 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 along the way, specifically, just a couple, just last year, there was one really big wrench thrown in it, and that was, uh, like you said, coronavirus. Yeah. What did you need to do to overcome 
those obstacles that it presented? Did you have to, I mean, did you have resources from being a senior in college to the USL team to Minneapolis City? Like, what were you able to call upon to help you kind of keep going and yeah, and jump jumpstart that that search for a pro pro contract? Oh, man, it was so hard actually. When I look back on it, like when we played the fall seven v seven league, I was in such a bad mental place. I was so like frustrated because <laughs> uh, I was pretty close to finding some USL stuff like here and there. Yeah. Before Corona, and I was gonna go play in another League Two club that was kind of like Des Moines Menace. It was in Maine, it's called GPS. They were like ton of money at the time. And the guy had connections all over the the planet, so I was like, "Oh, this would be great! Like, maybe I'll go there, have a couple good months, and then transport somewhere else." Yeah. And then Corona happens, and like your whole world just kind of gets thrown off, and it was so so difficult. I guess there's 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 no way to be prepared for something like that. Like, you can't be like totally ready <laughs> for something like that to happen. Right. Who would think of something like this? But I guess it it was just like staying really patient. And just saying, staying ready, I was still working every day, training all the time, making sure my touch was sharp because you never really know what's going to happen at any point. Mm-hmm. So just keeping that discipline rather than saying, oh, you know, screw this. I'm not going to be playing football for a while. No one else is playing football. I'm just going to stop for, you know, two months, three months. You know, I didn't do that. I just kept working, staying fit, staying, you know, diligent. And even though I was really frustrated, I just kept going because. You know, nothing ever happens for you if you stop. So I wanted to just be consistent and keep showing up and doing the work. And I, I guess I never knew, but I had the feeling that something would work out for me in the end. And it, that, it did. So, And it did. You were training, like you trained with like Martin Brown Jr., right? On your, on yeah. uh, some of your, like just some of your touches. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Like, was there anyone else locally that you, that you leaned on? Uh, or was it kind of just a just a regimen that you put together for yourself? I mean, whoever was in the area at the time wanted to train. I was always down to uh, Brian Lopez. You know, he's a trainer. So him and I would get some sessions together. Uh, he actually was pretty cool. You know, shout out to Brian for this. He would put together these, like, kind of scrimmages. Sometimes play 11, sometimes play 77, 99, with just a bunch of good players in the area. Just through his, like, top dog soccer company. And those are awesome to like get some games and like stay fit, play with other people. So big shout out to Brian for that. Uh, nice. I trained with Martin a couple of times. Uh, when Sam Thornton was in town, Sam and I would always go kick it and, and, and train together. But then a lot of days I was just doing it all by myself. Just that motivation to do it alone. That's wow. I mean, that's, that's admirable. I'll tell you what. Because uh, <laughs> like, you. like you said, a lot of people just kind of shut down or took it off. Yeah, I mean, I understand it, but also I don't. <laughs> yeah, like there's just kind of like you're given, you're provided this structure for your entire development, you know, go to practice this day, go to training that day. And yeah. then when that is kind of like, pull, when that disappears, I can see how some people are just not the kind of people that are self-starters sure. that would be able to schedule it for themselves. It was actually John too gave me some good advice. He was like, look, man, like you can either make this, um, you know, a roadblock or you can just take it as like a free year to get better. Just train, Mm -hmm. get as good as you can. And then that's one less year of mileage on your legs of a full season. And 
you know, keep the longevity. So I guess I took that one too. So thanks, John. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, you probably don't even remember saying that. Oh, no, I remember everything I say. Just because no, I, I, I have to keep a mental note because I, I say a lot of stupid shit too. So I have to make sure I cover my ass. So I, I have to remember all the, all the good things as well. I mean, you know, I, I think the, the, the important thing that, that, you know, people need to pick up with what you're putting down here is that <clears throat> there's, it's such a hard opportunity landscape in the United States to play at a higher level, you know, with all the league bullshit that goes on aside, it's just really hard to become oh, a yeah. pro soccer player dude, in the U.S. Dude, dude. <laughs> The, the level, like Minneapolis City, if you bring those players here, they play in my league, 100%. You know, because there's a structure for, for players to be playing, you know, semi-professionally or professionally. Because, like, in my league, not all the teams are, like, it's, like, so the, the top teams in the league and the, you know, the top half. You know, those are, like, good big clubs. The bottom half are, like, you know, semi-pro clubs or whatever. Like, you, you transport Minneapolis City to Norway, they're in that division. Easy. Huh. Well, so, I mean, you, you, you look at like the landscape in the U S it's, it's super hard to break in. And then, you know, you find an opportunity. It's really easy to get like overly excited probably as well. Like, Oh my God, it's finally hit. And then, it, and then there's a chance it doesn't pan out because I mean, you went over for a two week trial, right? before this kind of all took shape, correct? Uh, I was at another club that's closer to where I live. So I I guess it, I didn't go there on a trial because I was going to get my school done. So I was like, I'm just going to plant myself here and like kind of Jay demerit it. Like if, if I don't get into one club, just go to another until something works out. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to a club. This is actually, this was a huge club. It's called uh, FK Lean. L-Y-N, and they were, I think, 10 years ago. They were in the, the Elite Series, the top division. And then they had, like, a – and they were in the Europa League, like, in the early 2000s. And, like, John Obi Mikel came from that team. Like, they were just huge. And then they had, like, a financial downfall. Now they're in third division. So I was trying like Sunderland. Exactly. Exact same. So I was trialing there. And the coach really liked me, but the squad was kind of full – in my position and I, I kind of get it. They have like a lot of money and they sign players from like the top division to come down and play for the division because they have a lot of resources. So it didn't really work out there, even though that was a really good experience because playing with some bastards, man, like they don't care about you at all. <laughs> like they just don't, they're, they're, it's their job. They don't want to talk to you because you're coming for their <laughs> yep. job so like yeah. they, they don't care who you are they don't want to know anything about you they think you're a stupid american i mean some of them are nice for sure but like i didn't feel like very comfortable there um, but that was really good learning experience that's and something then, that people don't get is that it's not like you pay your you pay your trial fee and then you go to a trial and then you're good and then they're like here's your spot it's like it's literally a minute by minute job interview from the moment you get there until you leave. And yeah, it's kind people... of like everything. Like, do you leave your towel on the dressing room floor? Or, like, do you pick it up? Or, like, you know, do you go right to the dressing room after training? Or do you like cool down by yourself? Like, they, they see all those things. And I think that's why a lot of Americans aren't as successful in those environments because 
they take the training environment like practice in the United States where, you know, there's, there's a, in downtime in between drills, you kind of fuck around a little bit or when it's over, you fuck around a little bit and you're just kind of gearing up for the game where it, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but in my experience in at, at that level, it's the, the games are the easy fun part instead of the practice being the easy fun part like it is in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, my coach now. So after I left Lean, my my agent has another guy in his company who actually plays for Upsal. And he was like, oh, just bring Ian here. Like, our coach really wants him to come. So I, I went there. And dude, my, my coach now, first off, he's incredible. So he's just tactically really smart. He takes really good care of me. Like, he just pushes us hard. So he's an amazing coach that I have right now. But he's like... I don't know how to explain it. I would say like, if you took Marcelo Bielsa and Jesse Marsh and like put it into a, a coach, like, cause he's so wonderful, but he's so hard. Trainings are so difficult. They're so <laughs> intense. Like there's no, there's no easy part of it. Even like the warm up rondos, like he makes competitive. But I mean, that's like, you, like you said, that's probably for the best because he, yeah, you keep or, pushing yourself, right? There's never really a time where you can, you know, where you can let up. And I think that that might be the only, you know, that's that's a pretty good way to get better. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never been in an environment like this as well. Like the development is going to go so quick. Like I already feel like I'm improving a ton. Yeah, and I mean that that leads into kind of what that's kind of strange. <laughs> that leads into my next question, Ian. Is like, you know. I imagine it's it's a big like you said it's a huge kind of a leap from mm-hmm. the NPSL or the USL like what was the first soccer adjustment that you had to make uh I guess both on and off the field the first one find the wow. biggest guy and step on his foot I mean people always say like <laughs> every time people jump up they always say like oh so it's so fast the speed is so much is so much faster and I'm wondering if I you experienced the same thing or is it something different? That probably only took me one day to adjust to because I've always kind of played mentally at a pretty quick speed, not trying to like toot my own horn, but that's just kind of like how I've always played football kind of fits in Europe. So mm-hmm. that actually wasn't like the worst. I mean, it still, of course, takes time. Don't get me wrong. I had to definitely figure that out. Mm maybe that advice that nobody cares like no one cares who you are where you played before what you've done like you know you kind of have to prove yourself all over again when you step foot in a new place you know you're the outsider you're a foreign person so I guess kind of like just that nobody really cares what I did before and like all that matters is what I do starting now that I'm here how many how many runs or checking to the ball did you have to do before they felt comfortable passing it to you in my current team, all yeah. right away, they were they were pretty good to. I mean, I only tried for like two days, and then my coach signed me. So I think right away, I felt way more comfortable. Because that's the worst part in that type of environment yeah. when you you get into it, and like no one gives a shit about who you are or what you've done. They just want to know what you can do for them, and then but then they won't all, give you the ball. Then they won't give you the ball, and you're like, <laughs> I can actually make you more comfortable or make you better. Make yeah. the scenario, make the situation 
a hell of a lot better for you if you just give me the ball i'll give it right back to you but until you do i can't prove myself exactly <laughs> well <laughs> before we before we let you get back to bed for some for some well-needed z's here if you if you choose to do so uh, <laughs> i mean I, i'm up for a while man i got nothing but time <laughs> <laughs> well i i was it was brought to my attention and i brought it to the attention on our last show that you, i know what you're gonna talk about <laughs> yeah so you were wrapped up in some might say a countrywide soccer scandal that, that involved you and your club and arguably one of the most iconic norwegian and liverpool fc legends jana arnorisa or yeah. i call him the ginger bitch, uh, <laughs> as he like as he likes to go by um he I likes to go by yeah he told me so um, oh <laughs> he's like you know what john just call me ginger bitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I hate to say that he's one, the most iconic because I still think that late 90s Tora Andre Flo, the, the striker who played for Chelsea, was probably the most iconic Norwegian soccer player. That's a conversation. So, so for a shy, eh? Well, no, I still think Tora Andre Flo probably. Um, even though Solskjaer. 99 Champions League final, Solskjaer won you the Champions League, dude. That's I know, but Tora Andre Flo, man, just... <laughs> Just do just do the homework. Everyone look up Tora Andre Flo. Um, so anyways, there was a scandal and you were wrapped up in it. It's, tell us tell us the complete story because I'm sure I left a whole bunch of stuff out. Okay, actually I I did listen to the section where you talked about it and you did a pretty good job. You made See, it really I, dramatic too, which is I don't, pretty cool. I don't bullshit all the yes, time. You do. I, I do but... have facts. I do have some facts. Sometimes. Yeah. Okay, so our league this year was just played as a half season. So there's a, instead of 26 match days, they were going to play 13. So that makes every point super crucial, whether you're going to go up or go down. And we were kind of in the relegation fight because we had the we were in the most difficult division, which is kind of mostly teams from like the Oslo area, Oslo Fjord area. So within like an hour from here. And that's where the best football is because it's most of the people. So we have a really, we had a really difficult league. <laughs> and with like one or two matches to go, we already knew we were going to be safe. So that was like a huge relief because that's something that I had to learn coming to Norway is we don't have relegation in the U.S. That like right. that shit weighs on your shoulders. Like you can feel every inch of it. If you're like near the bottom end of the table, that's all you can think about. And that's the last thing you should think about, but it's all you think about. Huh. It, it really weighs on your mind. Like They never I mean, say that. Like you never hear an athlete admit that at like the premier league or the of course they're not going to say if, if you go talk to the norwich players right now they're 100 percent like an honest conversation but they think about those things yeah those are it's really real like because you you know it's it's not just like oh we did bad let's let's do good again next year it's like no if if we get relegated from our division you're in the amateur leagues so it's like huge so it's yeah. like the biggest division to get relegated from i guess as well and the last day we're going to play uh, Flint, and that was coached by John Anarisa, and they were in the middle. Uh, you mean of Ginger Bench? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they were they had a very good possibility of going down, so they weren't in the relegation zone. They were like one point clear, but the team below them was playing a team already relegated, so it was like a kind of a lock they were going to win. And then the team who also had the same amount of points 
uh, as Flint, they had, you know, they had a difficult game as well, I think. But <clears throat> did they? Yes, they did. They had a difficult game. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're going away to Flint. And it's all over the news because Risa is like a national icon. He's like, it'd be like if, you know, Landon Donovan just showed up and started coaching in the USL two, essentially. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how big this guy is. He's, everyone knows who he is. So we go down there and there's like articles in the news, like the day before, like, will Risa get relegated? Like, you know, how is this game going to turn out? So there's like kind of a lot of, interest in this you know oslo area in this game because it was like pretty pretty big stuff weren't they also doing like a like a all or nothing type thing too yeah so they're doing a tv show on them because at the start of the year when he became the coach and like spent a bunch of money to get some players they thought you know that oh yeah they're gonna get promoted like it's gonna be a big club like oh it's like hard knocks yeah Yeah. so yeah so this big channel it's like the espn of norway it's called tv2 they're doing like a like an eight to 10 part TV show on them. And it just finished. <laughs> so that's like, that's a big part of it as well. And so to get relegated on the TV show would be even worse. So we, <laughs> we, we, we go down there. We're pretty stress-free. We don't have anything really to worry about. And I was going to start the game, but like the day before I thought I was going to start the game. Then we get to like, two or three hours before the game and my coach says okay like we're gonna go with a different player like we think they're gonna sit deep so we're gonna play two tens and one six rather than six eight and ten i said okay that's fine Uh, i mean it's nothing i did wrong like i played really well i've been playing every game so i was like whatever it's last game i want to play but whatever Mm -hmm. and so that's going to come in big later (laughs) that 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 that's the big one right there. Um, we get to the stadium, start warming up. I mean, it's not a big stadium, but like during warmups, there's a bunch of people already like around the field. So I was like, you kind of feel it's a big game. We start the game. I'm on the bench. I mean, it is like full in this little stadium. It's crazy. There's, I would assume there's over a thousand people in this tiny little football ground. Wow. And they're just making noise because this is. This is huge. So then these kind of pressure games, I guess you you don't have them in America. Like you you could cut the tension with a knife in the stadium. You could just feel it because everyone has their phones out, checking how the other games are going, because they're all played at the same time, kind of like the Premier yeah. League, so no one can like conspire against each other. Yeah. So everyone's looking at their phones, like the score updates from the other games are so important because that's if they go up or down. And we go up one nil. <laughs> and you can just hear like everyone's heart drops. <laughs> <laughs> just their hearts drop. And then I think they get a glimmer of hope because I think the other team below them was losing to the relegated team. So they get some hope. Then we score and it's 2 0. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> And their hearts go even deeper because I think then it's 1-1 in the other game. So then they go down because of goal difference. Yeah. So then second half, my coach is like, all right, you're going to go in like to help close the game out. So I probably go in like 
58. But while I, this is great too. While I'm warming up, we have to warm up on like the side by the goal. And there's like a bunch of kids just like sitting by the goal. I mean, there are so many people there. And one of the kids goes, hey. And I kind of look at him. It's like, are you the American? I go, yeah. <laughs> Americans suck at football. <laughs> He's like eight. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I'm getting like ridiculed. <laughs> so then I get in the game. Oh, I actually got a yellow, like a big, huge tactical yellow card. <laughs> I could hear all these like old Norwegian men just swearing at me, <laughs> which was awesome. But then they score, it's like 2 1. So it like makes it even more dramatic. And like the desperation they were playing with, they were throwing the kitchen sink at us. It was crazy. And then I think probably 10 minutes to the end, the other club that really mattered was called Halson, and Halson scored. So they were winning 2 1, and Flint was getting relegated. And you could hear Risa like screaming at them, like, we need a goal, guys. Like, we absolutely need a goal right now. Like, everyone forward. We need a goal. So for 10 minutes, we were just getting bombarded. Just wow. defending, defending, defending. Because they're throwing everything at it. Like, this is the difference between, you know, in the national division where you play amateur. Yeah. And then the final whistle blows and we beat them and they get relegated. And I mean I, I don't want to say I feel bad because I don't, but like seeing like grown men crying on the ground, like <laughs> it, 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 it really gets you, man. <laughs> and then we get done with the game, they get relegated, like it's all over TV, all the TV cameras are everywhere. And in, in Norway, like I think they do this all in Scandinavia. When you win games, you like have like a team song you sing and you like kind of bang on the walls and sing your song. And you're like oh, dressing sweet. rooms, you know, are, are right next to each other. So it's kind of like your celebration. So these guys just got relegated and they can hear us just throwing an absolute party in our dressing room. Because we were so <laughs> excited that we relegated a national legend. <laughs> <laughs> so we were going crazy. And I can only imagine that just makes them feel even worse. We'll okay, do a so better game, job. Do a better yeah, job exactly. next time. So game's done. We relegated John and Arisa. We're on the bus home. And all of a sudden, like, all the guys are like, oh, my God, check the news, check the news, check the news. We're like, what? What's going on? Like, so what had happened is I was going to start the game. And on the team sheet, it, it said that. But my, the coaches or something, I, I don't really know who it fell on. When they made the change, they forgot to take me out and put the other guy in. So it's just like a silly little mistake to the team sheet. But Flint saw this, noted it, and then made like a like a protest about the game, saying that we like tampered with the game, like they were, you know, thinking I was gonna start because I have been the last few games and my name's on the team sheet, and then this other guy shows up, blah, 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 whatever. So because of that, <laughs> my name is like in all of these articles all over the country. <laughs> because I was the player that was supposed to play and didn't. I mean, I have nothing to do with it, but my name is yeah. like all of the all of these articles all over Norway. Like, it's a uh, VG. It's kind of like I don't know CNN. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, 
TV2, which is like ESPN, like all the local news is like in the city that we played in, Tonsberg, all of them here in Oslo. Like my name was just in all of these, <laughs> all of these different, uh, different news sources for being the guy that was supposed to play but didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like pretty crazy. Like I remember I was, I was going to a university lecture like two days or yeah, two days later, like on Monday. And I see a guy on his phone next to me at, at the coffee shop. And he's reading the article about it. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, that's me. <laughs> this guy's reading about me. Like, it was pretty crazy. That's amazing. So was there was any a... fallout then? No, no, no. I mean, my teammates, like, absolutely took it and ran with it. And, like, told me I ruined the season, that I was, like, the enemy. <laughs> the American comes and ruins the year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But no, the protest was declined. They got relegated. Nothing really happened to us. Maybe they got a fine or something. I don't know. But it was nothing like major because it's a pretty honest mistake. Mm -hmm. But yes, that's going to be one of my favorite football stories in my life. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I can only imagine what it's going to be like next season once you once you reboot again. Like are it. Are they, are they just gonna hang their hat on like you're you're the you're the fucking dirty bastard who ruined everything? <laughs> yeah, I don't know like, why my name was thrown around. Like it didn't really matter which two players were. So I don't know why they had to like make a note of it. Probably because you're American. <laughs> probably because you're American. I have no idea. And I, I think I'm the only American in in this league. There's like one or two others who play in Norway, who play in like the top or the second tier. I think, but I'm definitely the only one in this league. I'm the only foreign player on my team, actually. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty tough. You have no one really to confide in that you're that you're foreign with. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, but on the other hand, it's like I don't know. It's not like you've got you've only got really one culture to get used to. Yeah. You know, you don't have a whole like dynamic to navigate. Like it's. Uh, you know, like it's a English club or something, and there's guys from all over the world. Or anything. Yeah, but it is it is so nice. Like everyone's English here is so good, so it's not like I don't feel uncomfortable. So it it, it actually works out just fine. Just because my coach is perfect in English, most of my coaches are. I think all of them actually speak English. Oh, that's great! Like, I can tell you who's on. I can tell you who's uncomfortable, John Arnorisa. Actually, you know, want to hear this shit? I'm looking at the news. He's being because you know Stephen Gerrard's the new manager at Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. They're linking your boy Ginger Man to be the one of the assistants. So this guy gets relegated from Norwegian third tier, and now he might go coach at Aston Villa. Just for the name. Yeah, because well, he played with Gerrard at Liverpool. Yeah, they were buddies. Oh. They loved each other. It's like. Uh, it's like Danny Alves going back to Barcelona for the league minimum just to play with his old buddy. Pretty much. I mean, yeah, essentially it's just kind of like, like nepotism, football nepotism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the Whack. nice part is, is no matter where he goes, you'd be like, yeah, I was responsible for that guy getting, a, losing. I, I relegated that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's a, that'll be a pretty funny story. Oh, that's awesome. That'll be like Man. a party story when I'm your age. Steve, yeah, imagine absolutely. if you somehow end up on the other side of the field from him again in the future. Oh my God. Um, he probably won't remember me. 
No, you make him remember no, but, you by taking the throw in right in front of him at some yep, point. And just, like, hey, and being like, remember, hey, remember, 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 you remember that protest? That yeah. was me. <laughs> remember when Ian I Ian Matthew Smith. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Smith. Everyone calls me by my full name here because they use two last names. So they go like mother and father's name. Oh. So in, in the papers and then the articles, I was being referred to not as Ian Smith, but Ian Matthew Smith, which is my full name. And not even my mother calls me my full name. But everyone in Norway does. Because <laughs> they think like, it's my entire name. They use full names here. You're like, my mom doesn't even call me that. She calls me Steve. So guys, get, 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 get it right. Weird. Yeah. I go up to girls at the bar. I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm Ian Matthew Smith. How are you? <laughs> I read about you. Like, You're the American who ruined my life. Yeah, I'm because like, oh, people sorry. are big, big Flint fans. <laughs> oh, John, you know. I told John this. John, you're a Man U fan. Yes. We played oh, against uh, Ronnie Johnson. He coaches in our league as well. See, now I respect that guy, not the ginger bitch. His team was so good. They didn't get relegated. Or not, not relegated. They were in the promotion fight. They were in first place all year. And then they lost the last game. And some dusty team got promoted instead of them. It was crazy. His team is super good. Actually, John, I think I texted you about that when we played his team. It was my first time starting. So you're like away at the number one team in the league starting my first game. I was like a Wednesday night and there was like 2,000 people and this grandstand was full. And we're walking out. It was so loud in the walkout. I was like, don't look behind you. Don't look behind you. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> don't it look at so, it. It was so loud. Like, do you have like a? Uh, do you have like a pregame? Did you have like a pregame ritual or do, what was your what was your best uh, way to not be nervous as hell for like your things like your first appearance, your first start? My first appearance was easy. It was a home game against the worst team in the league, who lost every single game by like four goals. So oh. I was like, no problem. It was actually a great <laughs> way to start. And then my second game, I was on the bench. We got smacked because we played a top tiers teams like reserve team but oh. the first team didn't have a game that weekend so they just played first team players they just sent them oh wow yeah they're so good it's probably the best team i've ever faced in my life they were unbelievable uh and so we were we were getting killed at halftime so i came in and played really good in the second half so then i started the next game that was that away game uh, that one i was definitely nervous for but I don't really get too like up or down before games. I usually just kind of sit in the locker room, drink a cup of coffee, hang out, chill, just listen to some music, I guess. Like I'm, I'm not really too nervous before any game. Just the Iceman. <laughs> Tom I mean, Brady. The yeah, Iceman Tom Brady. <laughs> John seen me before games. I just kind of sit there and hang out and just blow the whistle, just, man. I want to go play. Yeah, I just kind of ready to play. I hate warming up because I just want the game to start. <laughs> I'm just kind of a gamer that way. You just yeah. don't want the eight-year-old to berate you. That's why you want to get the game going. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, <laughs> not not trying to shout out to the like say anything bad to the citizens because they're the best. But like, did their eight-year-olds make fun of players? I don't know. I I feel like Zara did. I, yeah. I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, Gus and Fred aren't there yet, but they're sure going to berate somebody in their life. 
they will be soon. <laughs> well, Steve, before before we let you go, uh, I did have one more question, and that's what yeah. you know. Now that you're fairly established on your team, it feels like you have the the trust of the of the coach. Uh, you know, your season will start up again uh, after after Christmas, or at least not your mm-hmm. season, but your your soccer job will start up after Christmas and New Year. What is your goal for next season? Like, what are you? Oh, good question. You know, what are you? What are you trying to work towards? Maybe what's the next step for Ian Smith? Matthew Smith. Ian Matthew Smith. Sorry, it disconnected. You guys still there? Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh sweet. Um, my goal for next season, I just want to play, start as many games as I can. Just keep building on last year. I actually played box to box like as an eight here, which is like really fun. Uh, I want goals. Uh, I think we have a really good team. I want to see if we can try, you know, shoot at the top end of the table. See if we can maybe maybe get promoted. And yeah, I mean, just do as good as we can. Just kind of push on and have the best season I can. So make use of my opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing. I, I don't love to put like specific numbers or specific, you know, like statistical gains, because I don't want, like, I've never been the player to be like, oh, statistics are what make me good. Uh, But I mean, of course, I want to chip in a couple goals, a couple assists, but mostly just get on the field every time I can, play as much as I can, play as good as I can, and then just kind of see where it goes from there. So, yeah. You need to so get awesome. to a league so we can watch you play. That's that's oh. that's that's my goal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I you can stream these games, but I think it's only here. It's only so a gonna, team here. I'm gonna have to get like another janky ass VPN connection. Is what you're saying? <laughs> you're yeah, gonna, probably. Yeah, you're gonna have to mask your network location as in coming in out of Oslo. Oslo. Yeah, uh, seems like can a lot of work. Can you do me one favor? When you score your first international club goal, will you please celebrate by pulling down just one sock in front of fans? You know, <laughs> you know, John. I, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> when, when that day comes, I don't know if I'll be like coherent enough to remember to pull one sock down. I'll probably be so happy. <laughs> I've just means- thought about it. It's like this, the shock of it washes oh, over you. Yeah, you know, how can you, know you even keep that? Do? You know what I should do is wear my Bizworm shirt under my jersey every game. So then when I score, lift it up and have the Bizworm shirt. How good yeah. would that be? And just add to the Ian Matthew Smith folklore in Norway. Like, who is that person? And you'll, you'll be like, oh, it's a Make-A-Wish kid from, from <laughs> Minnesota. I'm from America. <laughs> yeah, from America. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know how, how much I get made fun of for my American accent, too. They're like, hey, man, what's up, dude? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, oh, God damn it. Not again. Mean. No, no, no one talks like this. <laughs> well, I, I think, though, that Bro. here's what's going to happen. You're, I'm going to send you your Bizworm shirt mm-hmm. from footballstadiumprints.com. Thank you, footballstadiumprints.com. Uh-huh. And then you're going to wear it under your jersey one time, and you're just going to play lights out, just just serendipitously play lights out. And you're like, well, fuck, now I got to wear it. Now I have to. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to be your thing. I would say that sounds really good. 
I mean, <laughs> if it makes me play good, that's, that's, that's all I'm really worried about here, man. <laughs> I can tell you what, if you get the Mad Elder, it's not going to make you play better. Oh, dude, what? Mad Elder's my boy. That's my guy. We have a little bit of a who's going to sell more T-shirts. So I mean, obviously, you you advertised it. He doesn't advertise it. You wanted people to buy yours. Yeah, but he – yeah, but hang it's on a shameless. Second. You but put it on, on Facebook. Second. Yeah, and you know what? My friends bought it, but you know who bought his? Him. He bought his own and me. I and bought like his, one of his. And like, like his wife's brother or something. Yeah, and, and then me who bought one of them as well. So, like – Actually, I John, think... I'm, looking, I'm looking at my room here because I have all my team kit because our, our dressing room's under construction. I have my sweatshirt I need to send you, so maybe I'll send you your Christmas present also. Oh, look at that. I, I love a, it. I have Ooh. an extra sweatshirt coming your way. It's actually really nice. It's like a training kit, like a quarter zip. It's got the club badge on it. It's pretty cool. I will, I will wear it proudly and celebrate me doing normal normal things like cooking my kids breakfast with it on. Like you would no- celebrate wearing my shirt as you score a goal or something. It doesn't have my number on it. I have a great number. 32. <laughs> well, what, yeah, well, three times two is a six. There you go. There's you, your number. You know what I picked for, for next season? 18. Was, yeah, for our boy. The Ginger Prince, not the, the Ginger Bench. Yeah, the Ginger Prince. <laughs> yeah, dude, before games, I'd throw on number 32. I felt like Carlos Tevez. <laughs> <laughs> Minus the face scar. So, yeah, and the and the five hundred goals at professional level. But besides yeah. that, yeah, it's all the same, man. Come on, one hundred and ten Argentina cast. But yeah, it's the same. Yeah, you got the same. <laughs> I, I have ten games under my belt. Come on, you got you got to start somewhere. That's right. That's exactly on your way right. to car. On your way to Tevez, like legend. I don't know if I'll ever quite be as good as Tevez, but you've that's got not the more national press. Here. You've gotten more national press in Norway than Tevez probably ever has. So start there. You think? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, your whole relegation story. <laughs> I mean, Tevez is pretty famous. <laughs> but maybe not in Norway. That's true. That's, well, Steve, that's, I know it's true. early there. It's late here. Yeah, it's, it just turned midnight, huh? Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's so... 7 a.m. here. It's still pitch black. It won't probably get light until 10. And then, wow. it'll be dark, and then it'll be dark at like 3 or 4 p.m. Really? Yeah. It's probably like the sun comes up maybe 9. So it's set to be light between 9 and 10. And then it's dark by like 4.30, 4.45, like full dark. Wow. I thought that sucked here. Dude, it's way worse here. That's the, that's the one thing that I, I can't get used to. It's really hard. Like you have to really watch your vitamin D. <laughs> you don't see the sun. I mean, there's days like... I'll wake up and I'll go to a class or something and then like I'll be inside all day. So it's dark when I went in and then I go to training in the afternoon and it's already pretty much dark. <laughs> wow. Awful. Well, I mean, but you know, you do get to play soccer professionally. So I'll that. send you some vitamin D with your Bizarum shirt. Thanks, man. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank nice you so guy. much, Steve. Dude, it's been so good talking to you again. I wish you nothing but the best. Thank out you. there in Norway. Um, keep you. living that Tom Brady life. I'm loving the new accent. I'm loving the new nickname. So <laughs> excited to uh, to follow you as you continue to continue to dominate at Opsal. 
Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Happy to to be back on the podcast for like the forty eighth time. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good time, dude. Next time you're in town, we'll figure something out. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to all the citizens out there. Miss you guys. Shout out to MVB. Shout out to Pribs. <laughs> shout out Dom. <laughs> Uh, shout out Dom. Actually, no, not Dom. Piss off, Dom. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Dominic. Just kidding. Oh, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for being so dedicated to waking yeah, up man. at six a.m. for us on a Friday. And yeah, uh, man. And, and we uh, we appreciate the time. Like Nate said, congratulations. We'll be, we'll be following you from afar. Uh, but take it easy, man, and uh, good luck as the season uh, starts to begin pretty soon here. For sure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right, being cheers. on here. Cheers. Yeah. You got yeah. you got you got huff, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See you, man. Bye, Steve. Yeah. Miss you. That is all for this week's show. Thank you, as always, to our sponsor, FootballStadiumPrints.com. Listen, folks, we've already established that I am cool. Some might say the coolest. So when I tell you that footballstadiumprints.com is cool, I know you mean it. Do you find shirts? Cool. These are your guys. Hey, do you find prints and mugs? Cool. They for sure are going to have something that you will like. They offer a massive selection of iconic soccer items featuring all of soccer's most special pitches, including Edor Nelson Field, as well as the Legends series with the likes of our very own Matt Elder and the kind of cool Stegman's SC hero, John Biswin. <laughs> if you don't want to be cool, then ignore this PSA, but if you want to be the cool guy in the circles that you run with, join me and buy something from footballstadiumprints.com. Okay, cool. Head over to footballstadiumprints.com and use the code CROWS10 to save yourself 10% off all their new shirts. They ship from the super cool United States of America, so you don't have to worry about any outrageous international shipping fees or any sort of uh, currency adjustments, and you don't have to do any math. It's great. And they arrive lickety-split once you purchase. Okay, cool. Thanks again to footballstadiumprints.com for making the only piece of clothing a man like me needs, a cool man like me. <laughs> if giving back to the community means a lot to you, maybe it's time to give the club that gives back. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that provides a safe, reliable, and fun environment for young people to play the beautiful game. Look for us this summer playing with kids in parks. Uh, this summer, I mean, that's over. we got to rewrite this. <laughs> <laughs> Look for us all winter because we're going to be in community centers uh, around the city playing with kids, uh, partnering with the likes of TC Soul and like we've mentioned all, already in the show, uh, Kren. Uh, and please consider a tax-deductible donation to a true city-focused organization. Okay, cool. Minneapolis City memberships are on sale now for only $99 for a full season pass, all the way down to the $50 out-of-town membership. You can support this club and get some cool stuff in return. You get an exclusive membership scarf. You get a membership card that gets you 10% off the club shop. You also get a vote on important club matters, including like we just did. We selected the scarf, but up next we'll be selecting the membership board. And uh, you know the kit designs are going to be coming up soon. We are voting on the scarves already voted on. That got announced. Did you see that? Anyway, visit MPLSCitySC.com and make sure your totally legitimate, valuable graphic design opinions are heard. That sure does sound way cool. Hey, send us mail. It's easy. It's cool. Hit us up on Twitter at the People's Pitch or through email at mcscpodcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, you can hit up the club because Dan is super cool with you complaining to him at MPLS City SC. 
Okay, cool. That's all for this week. I'm Nate Cool Alice, and that, <laughs> that was Ian Smith, and that was John. Uh, join us in a couple more weeks. We'll continue to give you a peek behind that off-season curtain, and we'll have uh, hopefully another uh, mind-blowing guest. You got, got hooked. Cool.